Hello, this is Movie Thoughts. My name is John Hastings. This is my podcast that is sloppily filmed and recorded and hopefully intermittently interesting, where I ramble on about movies, uh, theories about movies, movie-related ideas. This is the 25th episode. Some of the times I try to prepare a little bit for the episodes I, I do. I actually, I mean, most of the episodes I try to do some preparation, come up with some ideas and some notes and uh, just something to to keep me on the right track so I don't ramble on too much. Other times, though, I just come up with an idea often just the day of and uh, see, what, see what comes out uh, just by talking. And that's kind of what I'm doing today. This is one of those episodes that I didn't plan much in advance. I was just kind of sitting here and thinking like, oh, this would be an interesting episode. And it comes out of Um, I want to talk about two movies that I saw recently. They were two movies that kind of shamefully I'd seen just for the first time recently. I feel I should have seen them uh, years ago. Both both have seen them uh, a long time ago. And uh, they fit together, or when I mention them, you'll see why I wanted to talk about them together. And those movies are uh, two sort of vampire movies from the 1980s. The Hunger, which is directed by Tony Scott and has Catherine Deneuve and Susan Sarandon and, and David Bowie, and then Near Dark, which is a Catherine Bigelow movie with uh, Bill Paxton and Lance Henriksen and Jenny Wright, and that's uh, from a little bit later in the 1980s. I saw them, I actually saw Near Dark first uh, and then watched The Hunger, and it's, like I say, it's kind of shameful to admit uh, that this is the first time I've seen them, especially for The Hunger, because I'm a, I'm really a huge Tony Scott fan, and I'll I'll talk about that one first. I think they're I think they're both kind of interesting to talk about um, for a, a variety of reasons, and I'll talk about the hunger first. So, uh, the hunger, like I said, 1983. It was not a big hit necessarily on release, and had mixed uh, reviews, um, mostly kind of leaning towards the negative reviews. I think uh, Roger Ebert thought it was pretty silly and. Um, one of the be- nicer things I, I found uh, someone said about it was uh, Mike Mike Srego said that oh there's that Tony Scott has kind of so many um, ideas about how he wants to present the story that he doesn't actually get around to telling the story so it's a little bit of a, a backhanded compliment um, but I think that's an interesting place to start because uh, my experience of the hunger and like I say I'm a huge fan of Tony Scott I love his work and some people actually have come around to thinking that. Um, the Hunger is his best film. I've heard a number of folks make that argument that The Hunger is Tony Scott's best film. When someone's first feature is brought up as their best film, I often see that as a backhanded compliment in a way. You know, um, like they got it right the first time and they should have stopped there uh, to a certain extent. And interestingly, that's sort of how I feel about, uh, in the case of, of his, Tony's brother, Sir Ridley Scott, I feel that The Duelist is his best film. And I don't mean it as a backhanded compliment because I really do like Blade Runner, and I uh, love a lot of the later Tony Scott, or sorry Ridley Scott movies. I love um, The Counselor and The Martian, and uh, I think Prometheus is very interesting. So there's a lot of uh, Ridley Scott movies I like quite a bit. But I do think the you know maybe I think The Duelist is his uh, best best overall work, the most fully satisfying movie he made. So. You know, hearing that some people I respect think that The Hunger is Tony Scott's best movie, or some people think it's maybe his only good movie, um, I was, you know, feel like I should have seen it a lot earlier, I guess is my point. 
I'm getting around to it now, and my thoughts are uh, kind of from 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 the from start to finish, um, or, or kind of going through the thoughts I had while watching it from start to finish. One, the opening sequence is just I think amazing, and uh, it got it, it. I think Mike Srego's kind of point is well taken there. It's uh, it's almost as if it would be an a completely revolutionary movie if if Tony Scott had kept up the style of that opening sequence, which is very impressionistic and um, uh, kind of uh, not, um, you know, I guess you could, you know, people use the, you could talk about kind of music video uh, directing and music video editing as this negative thing, but the, the opening of The Hunger is maybe one of the greatest examples of that that style of, of filmmaking of narrative filmmaking it's it's very evocative it is uh, very uh, impressionistic it does sort of in a uh, it gets across what's going on but leaves a lot of mystery to the to the story we kind of have to fill in the the details it doesn't spell things out it interestingly enough really anticipates in terms of the the visual uh, both the visual style and the editing style, and anticipates the late Tony Scott style of of, uh, of his later work, which is really into that you know that kind of a blurry um, kind of this this blurry smeary uh, visual uh, visuals with uh, very fast paced editing. Um, and in in a way, the opening of the hunger is closer to like I think his his uh, later style, like the style of Deja Vu and Unstoppable and um, the Taking of Pelham uh, remake. Then the, some a lot of the movies in between, he kind of uh, seems to start in this really uh, out there, pushing the limits in terms of what he can get away with. Um, visually and in and, and storytelling wise and then becomes a lot more conventional even in the course of the hunger as the hunger goes on it becomes a little bit more of a it, it turns into more of a conventional movie although still have, having its um, has its oddities or unconventional moments but um but then goes on to do like beverly hills cop 2 and top gun which are pretty uh filmmaking wise uh, or, or whatever their virtues are and i actually don't like that that kind of period of Tony's uh, career is not my favorite. The kind of uh, early um, commercial blockbuster period. Uh, that that stuff uh, um, is is uh, seems to be, or it's, rather, it seems to be. He starts at this. My point is just that he starts at this sort of pushing the uh, boundaries and then backs off to have this commercial career, and then eventually in the context of that commercial career brings back those early interests or the early uh that early visual style and his later work so i don't know if that quite followed along there but that's kind of what i was thinking i was watching it and then as the hunger progresses it becomes more like one of the good mid-period works like revenge um you know a lot of uh, kind of neo-noir um neo-noir filmmaking uh, choices visually and, and everything else sort of this expressionistic heightened realism or uh, not not realism but this expressionistic heightened sense of reality uh not realistic at all but um and i you know and i I like the movie overall actually i should say at some point i should say i think it's a pretty good movie um the uh the ending which is tacked on is not good and uh the uh the kind of resolution of the 
the entire way the resolution of the of the character is staged as it builds to the climax i think is i thought the special effects are great the makeup effects are great but maybe isn't as satisfying uh as it could be but i think it's a pretty uh good movie with some uh a really compelling uh uh, performance from Catherine Deneuve and, and Susan Sarandon there and David Bowie is well used it's uh, you know kind of uh, I, you know I liked it you know it deserves its reputation I think as a cult classic at this point the idea the idea that it's I think Tony Scott's best movie I don't think is tenable um, but, but you know I think you, or rather you know I can see it being his best movie but, but kind of you not valuing any of the the good stuff he does in his later movies um which i think you know what i like about his later movies is uh has to do with his more kind of traditional hollywood storytelling um capability or or, or techniques where he does i think tell these really rich uh stories in in a very mainstream way so he's still making very mainstream movies but they have kind of richness around the edges and I especially like in a movie like Unstoppable that there's a sense that all of the characters, even the even the supporting characters, really are given this sense of of kind of being solidly there as characters, having kind of motivations and and inner life. And um, he does this very uh, he doesn't make a big deal out of it. It just kind of happens. And the um, part of it is the screenplays he's he's choosing or the part of the part of it is the screenwriter is doing that that work to make it happen but it kind of happens consistently in his movie after movie that i i feel that it's also partly him kind of pushing for that and the example i, I usually like to give is the way the the movie unstoppable treats the kevin corrigan character who's this government regulator guy and in any other movie the government regulator guy would come in and he'd be the the asshole that's stopping the hero or like kind of getting in the way of the heroes doing what they have to do but here he's actually you know he's we're we're, we're meant to see that he's trying to help just like everyone else and that he actually has a lot of good ideas and that character takes on even though he's not in the movie very much takes on uh, a, a real um he takes on a real uh, presence that in other movies they it would be just a foil or just this kind of cutout character and and Tony Scott does that in movie after movie in his late work and I I think that um, is one of the things I really value in his work and so that's not really in the hunger at all the hunger is more uh, an exercise in style and mood and atmosphere and I, I think it's quite effective on those terms but it's it's not as uh, it's not as full an experience as a story as uh, Tony Scott's later work, I think. So that's The Hunger. And then the other movie, another vampire movie from the 1980s, Near Dark, Catherine Bigelow. This is one that I've I've always wanted to see, and again, I don't know why it's taken me so long to see it. It was one of the kind of movies that um, I remember Pauline Kael uh, reviewing, uh, reading kind of Pauline Kael's positive review of it in, I think, her collection of, uh, you know, 5001 Nights at the Movies or I think I think that's where I read her her little uh, capsule review of it, and uh, so it was always sort of on my list of movies I should see. And of course, I've liked uh, Catherine Bigelow's other movies. I love Point Break, and I really think Strange Days is quite fascinating. I uh, like uh, The Hurt Locker, and I think Zero Dark Thirty again is pretty pretty fascinating, a pretty interesting movie. Um, you know, I like the his, her submarine movie too a lot. 
so I like a lot of her movies, so I just, why I never kind of got around to Near Dark until now, I don't know. It's a mystery. I think it's pretty, so I went back and looked at uh, Pauline's review, and it is kind of focused on the atmosphere and then the, the kind of, the cast work from the vampire crew. So, you know, if you haven't seen it, it's, you know, it's this hill, she calls it like a hillbilly vampire movie, but it's like one of the first, um, you know, it's in the in this vein of these kind of Midwest Western open space vampire movies, and you can think of like the Southwestern variation of that, like the From Dust Till Dawn type type situation, or John Carpenter's Vampires are all sort of in this, um, you know, uh, alternative kind of, uh, you know, a, a kind of I don't want to say unconventional vampire movie, but just this idea that we're going to take the vampires and move them to like big, wide open American spaces as opposed to kind of gothic. Um, kind of gothic, more gothic settings. Um, anyways, that's kind of the, the, the subgenre Near Dark fits into. I don't know if we can think of, we can probably think of some other movies that fit, uh, vampire movies that fit into that category. Maybe just the three of them, but who knows. Anyway, um, Pauline liked the, the, the kind of visuals, the atmosphere, and then she liked the, the characters of the vampires. Um, like the performance of the vampires, like Bill Paxton and Jenny Wright and Lance Henriksen. She kind of talks about how how they're an effective uh, group of kind of monster characters and I think that's all true and you know I I liked so I should say like you know I liked Near Dark although um and I hate to be this guy because when other people are this guy I'm usually the person kind of arguing against them or rolling my eyes at them but I I actually had a hard time with just the kind of plot with plot holes in and like I say like I'm never I'm very forgiving uh, usually as a viewer like this the kind of plot holes and like plausibility things like hardly ever bother me I'm like it's a usually I'm like this is a fantasy movie about vampires like I you know who who cares if it kind of makes sense or it doesn't all fit together or like sci- like it's not doesn't like ooh, the science behind it doesn't really follow. So, what's my problem with it? Well, you know, if you kind of a spoiler, it's not really a spoiler, but a little bit of a spoiler. It's hard to take this idea that, you know, this vampire gang has been around for years and years, like being super successful and has managed to, like, fight off all these, you know, uh, survive despite, you know, all this carnage they're causing. and yet they kind of run into some like dumb, uh, you know, Midwestern like cowboy kid, and inst- and like that's all it takes to completely unravel them and their little band and everything falls apart. And it, it just seemed like they were pretty. It just seemed like oh, for them, for the vampires to have actually survived that long, they should have been smarter than they are in the movie. They're kind of dumb and like i say i I, i'm often the person like rolling my eyes when someone makes arguments like that um so i don't know what to say i just in this case in this movie watching it in this moment i just felt that i couldn't quite go along with it so it it kept me at the level of kind of admiring it for its mood and its tone and, and the cinematography and things like that and i did like the the performances uh so all the things that um, Pauline Kael mentioned in her review I, I liked them, I responded to them to a certain extent, but then at some point my engagement with the movie was just sort of blocked by that um, plausibility issue 
I mean, like I say, I'm very forgiving usually, so I don't know what was going on. I should go back to say that with the hunger, I, I didn't really have a problem with plausibility. I felt that it really, you know, and if we step back and, you know, I could step back and think about it and say, like, the hunger probably doesn't make, if we've nitpicked, you know, really wanted to be nitpicky about it, the hunger probably doesn't make any more sense than near dark, really. Because um, you can make the same argument, like, oh, similarly, like, oh, if she's so brilliant, why does she... You know, Catherine Dino's character is such a mastermind. Why does she let herself into this? She makes some mistakes. And then in retrospect, you say, oh, she does make some mistakes. Like, oh, it's probably not a great idea to, you know, try to try to go after a scientist who studies blood diseases if you're a, a, a vampire in a way. Like, I mean, he she chooses in some ways the, a bad target, and you could say that's unwise. But in in The Hunger, at least, it feels like that, that that lack of wisdom is part of the point that she kind of does take this risk or that she's driven by hunger and addiction and uh it leads her to make these unwise decisions so it, it even if you, you know the, the 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 theme of the movie or the, the 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 kind of narrative logic and thematic logic of the movie makes you feel that oh this is kind of what it's about it's so it's not so much implausible as it becomes about that issue whereas in in near dark it isn't it doesn't feel that way it feels more um, kind of haphazardly thought out, like the in in Near Dark, the kind of plot happens because it has to happen that way, not because it's really kind of plausible or thematically uh, resonant. So that's just what I have to say about that. I don't know if uh, kind of thinking about them together illuminates anything. It's sort of just random that I saw them recently back, sort of back to back. Um, so I don't know that I uh, ho- so, but hopefully was able to kind of pull out some interesting things just by thinking about them and talking about them. Anyways, that's all I have. I've rambled on long enough about these two movies, and I will be back soon. Take care.